The following content has been provided by RWTH, Aachen University. Okay, um, another example um, is doing things in parallel. So stuff that isn't time critical can be delegated to a background process so it can happen um, in a separate process that can run a little longer. Um, and also, uh, if you have something that is likely to come up, you can do it and, and basically do it before it's even requested. To give you an example, somebody told me this. I, I wasn't aware of this. Um, quite a while ago, the web browser Opera um, did something really smart. And now the more web browsers are beginning to do this um, when a user was downloading a file. It would basically, let's say you click on a, on a file. Uh, what usually happens and how would you would probably naively implement it is you pop up a file dialog, right? Say, like, where would you like to save this file? Right. The user tells you where to save the file. And as a developer, you then you, you say, OK, now I know where to put it. So I'm going to start downloading the file and putting it there. What Opera did was, as soon as you clicked on, I wouldn't like to download this file, it started downloading the file from the network resource wherever to a local temp file that it just put into some temporary directory, working directory, scratch. Then it would pop up the dialog, let the user say, oh, I'd like to put this here or there or or, or maybe even cancel, right? Who cares? And once the user had picked a location where he would like to put the file, Opera would take the stuff that it had already downloaded in the temp directory, move it over to that location that the user has, had picked, and then continue on from there. And in many cases, you know how it is. You know, it takes you a couple seconds to decide where you would like to pick a file, right? If you like, have a special way of sorting your files on your computer, and we all have OCD, so we all like to sort our files on our computer. Um, so by the time you were done picking the location to put the file, it may well be that the download was already finished. So you felt like, wow, that was super fast. And nothing was being you know, sped up here in the sense of, of internet connectivity or, broad, or, or bandwidth. It was just using the wait time, this response time in the GOMS model where we, the, user, the system waits for a user input to do stuff. Because why should it sit there twiddle its thumbs and do nothing while it's waiting because it knows the next thing it needs to do is pick, get that file. So why not start now? Right? So that's a really smart, small thing, but it can make all the difference um, in you know, everyday usage. Um, it also make, makes a lot of sense to take all the things you need to do and optimize them um, in terms of when you attack which task. And that can change dynamically. I'd like to show you an example for that um, that is taken, again, from the uh, sort of, you know, mists of time here. Uh, why are we looking back into these old systems? Because back then, it was almost a technical necessity to do this because computers were so slow and networks were so slow. Um, since then, they've sped up a lot. And uh, a lot of people in the develop, you know, a lot of software developers don't pay much attention to this. But then you end up on a slow network connection, or you end up on a very slow computer, or an embedded system. And all these things come back. So the, the very obvious um, examples are often taken from historical systems. So this is WordStar. Um, this was a system that ran on a 1 megahertz, not gigahertz, 1 megahertz um, uh, computer uh, that was later killed by the, uh, by the IBM PC. Um, WordStar was written by somebody who was more of an amateur, really. 
Um, and he, he knew he wasn't writing the smartest you know, routines for, I don't know, uh, rendering text or, 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 or sorting uh, data in, in files and stuff like this. But he accommodated for this. He knew his, his background algorithms that he had to do were fairly slow. He accommodated for this by making the system super responsive. Um, to this day, if you talk to you know, the elderly at this point, they will get glowing eyes and tell you, when I was typing in WordStar, it never ever missed a single letter that I typed. And to be honest, when I flip up my you know, 2015 MacBook um, and start entering my, my uh, password on, on waiting for the lock screen to, to take it, it sometimes loses characters, which I find you know, very strange. Um, so it, this one never lost characters. Even when the system was clogged up with other things to do, it would always accept all the characters that were being typed and would never lose them. Um, they were also not just buffered, which I get here sometimes on my, my latest and greatest MacBook, where I type and then it takes a few seconds until this stuff actually appears. Um, it would actually appear instantly, even if there was other things to do. For example, WordStar had to, of course, you know, if you were typing, then stuff was being rewrapped and into, into lines, and uh, lines would move up and down the screen. So the screen contents was changing all the time right, while you were typing. But the characters you were typing always appeared instantly. If WordStar got into a pinch in terms of you know, missing, you know, missing the time to update the characters, it would basically still update the characters where you were typing, and it would just stop updating the screen in some other remote location, like at the bottom or top of the screen. It would just do that as soon as it got to it, but it would first make sure that the character you just typed appeared instantly, because that's most likely where you're looking when you are typing. So it's a careful sorting of the various update things that need to happen into things that were tasks that could be you know, prioritized in different ways. The other thing um, that makes a lot of sense is to test under different conditions. For example, under heavy loads, right? Um, if you're sitting you know, at your laptop and you're writing your application, um, you probably have great network connectivity. You may be here on the Evertihan network. Uh, you have a speedy you know, laptop probably. Not a challenge, right? But you need to think about who is going to be using the system that I'm writing here, this app that I'm writing, and what is the kind of hardware they might have, and what is the kind of connectivity they might have, what's the kind of storage they might have available. So testing under heavy loads makes a lot of sense. Testing on slower systems, like the ones that your customers might have, and testing over slower net connections. Um, I once heard from Amazon that they, you know, for, for a long time, they continued to test their website um, of course, on outdated browsers, they still do that. And they even tested them on a 56K modem, <coughs> which is something you may have still seen in your like, you know, days as a child or something. But, um, so this is something that you know, makes a lot of sense to just keep up the uh, responsiveness, even for customers that have slower technology to, to use your software. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.